Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Lady Boy Gigi, and tonight I have a very special show. It's a bit controversial, and it can get a little bit graphic. It is on male circumcision and foreskin restoration. And I bring this topic up because this is a very important subject for me. Female circumcision and related practices that occur in many different cultures will be a topic for another show. For tonight, I would like to cover male circumcision and foreskin restoration. While this is an important subject, it does get into some graphic details, and I will try to minimize some of the graphic nature of this procedure to what extent I can. But be forewarned. Before I get into the topic, I would like to cover the anatomy of the penis as nature created it. First, you have the roots of the penis deep within the body. The roots are located between the anus and where the perineum curves upward into the body, and they are buried deep within. Then you have the perineum. That is the strip that runs between the testicles and the anus. 
Some people call it the taint. Then you have the testicles. The testicles are enclosed within the scrotum. It is the testicles that produce male hormones and sperm, which is later introduced into the ejaculate. Going further up, you have the shaft. And the shaft can be flaccid or it can become erect. Within the shaft are erectile tubes that engorge with blood when a man gets all excited. And the shaft of the penis becomes rigid and he stands erect. Then you have the glands or the head of the penis. It's at the very tip. And the glands of the penis, or just as the word implies, they are glands. They are a moist membrane. And as nature intended it, the foreskin protects the glands of the penis. And also there is a small gland that is included that helps lubricate the gland of the penis. During male circumcision, it is the removal of the foreskin and often, depending on the type of circumcision performed, the gland that produces skegma is removed. Skegma is the substance that lubricates the head of the penis. Often in our culture, circumcision is routinely performed during infancy, just shortly after birth. For some that do not get circumcised in infancy, there are adults who choose to have their foreskin removed and go through circumcision. Usually it can be because of a partner or because they want to fit in and look more, quote, normal. When circumcision is performed during infancy, often no anesthesia is used, not even local anesthesia. Circumcision is the surgical removal of the foreskin. In infants, unfortunately, the foreskin is still attached to the gland of the penis and must be surgically detached before it can be removed. I'd like to go into a brief history of circumcision. And I'm not going into very thorough history, but according to Gary M. Griffin in his book called Decircumcision, the practice of circumcision dates back over 4,000 years. Up until about a hundred years ago in America, men remained intact, for the most part. By 1910, due to anti-masturbation movements, circumcision rose to about 15%. During World War I, there was an ec epidemic of a couple of venereal diseases. By the end of the war, circumcision rose to 25% in an effort to reduce infection rates. By 1950, 77% of all U.S. men were circumcised. In ancient cultures, circumcision was used to ensure fidelity 
It was practiced in both men and women. I would like to read to you a short section from the book, Decircumcision. A Breakfast for Chaste Children Many Victorian physicians theorized that good nutrition was the key to avoiding masturbatory tendencies. Special diets which avoided spicy, hot, or stimulating foods were often prescribed. John Harvey Kellogg, a concerned physician and health food pioneer, sought to create a special food that would inhibit sexual proclivities in growing bodies. After several months of experimentation, he finally introduced this food at his sanitarium in Battle Creek, Michigan. These anti-masturbation foods were none other than Kellogg's breakfast cereals. I kind of like to read that because, you know, we often look at products and we don't even understand the history behind them. Who would have guessed? Kellogg's cereal being an anti-masturbatory breakfast. <laughs> it's not quite the breakfast of champions. <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit about the justification in the circumcision movement and the movement for circumcising men. One of the first justifications that have been put out have been due to men are not always very hygienic. And so it was proposed that circumcising the penis would make it more hygienic. It's also been put out that being circumcised helps with the prevention and spread of STDs. Other proponents of circumcision state that it helps prevent penile cancer and cervical cancer in women. And one of the big reasons it was really introduced in this country is it reduced masturbation habits in boys, or was supposed to. And I'd like to go over some of the cons of circumcision. Some of the cons include that circumcision involves risk. The risk includes infections, botched circumcisions, and in many instances, death of an infant or even an adult. Circumcision reduces sensitivity in the glands of the penis. Unfortunately, circumcision does not prevent or even decrease STD transmission. It has been shown that washing and good hygiene practices do reduce the risk of cancer, or at least there's some indication that it does. But there's been no really good evidence that circumcision reduces the risk of cancer. And unfortunately, Dr. Kellogg, circumcision does not have any effect on masturbation practices. <laughs> In fact, we are wired to enjoy our bodies. And if you look at some studies about Johnson & Johnson and even some more modern studies, 
there is a big indication that for human beings, masturbation is one of the number one sexual practices. If you think about it, you have more time to masturbate, especially in a sex-negative culture where it's hard to get hooked up with a partner. Even during marriage, there's often times when masturbation is preferred. Sometimes it's masturbating with your partner, and sometimes it can be just solo. And oftentimes, masturbation can be very effective when there's medical conditions or other physical conditions that keep us from more vigorous forms of sexual pleasures. I'd like to take a few moments and talk a little bit about foreskin restoration. Basically, there's two methods. The first method is surgical. Basically, they take skin grafts from other parts of the body and attach it to the penis to create a foreskin. It's not recommended. There's high risk medically, and the results look kind of weird. The skin on the penis, and especially the foreskin, is a different type of skin than we have on the rest of our body. Also, surgical foreskin restoration is a medical procedure. And with all medical procedures, there's always risk of infections and other complications. The other method of foreskin restoration is non-surgical. It's stretching the skin slowly over time. It does require dedication, but one of the benefits is it's something that one can do by themselves in the privacy of their own home. I would highly recommend for men that want to restore their foreskin to go with the non-surgical method. And consult your physician because I don't know your medical situation or any complications that could arise for you, consult your physician. If you don't have a kink-friendly doctor, shop around and find one. I'd like to tell you a little story about my experience. The first doctor I went to was my regular doctor, and I told the doctor that I wanted to restore my foreskin and explain that I wanted to do it through stretching. After telling him about the research I'd done, he took one look at me and he said, you shouldn't tamper with this. Sleep well enough alone. This just isn't natural. And he walked out of the room. That was when I decided to find a better doctor a kink-friendly doctor. So I went through the GLBT community and the kink community, and I found a doctor that was kink-friendly. The kink-friendly doctor was all for this and helped me all through the process. So before you try foreskin restoration, consult your physician just to be safe. And I'd like to share a little bit about my experience. I grew up without any knowledge about sexuality in my youth. And I started learning 
partly from peers, partly from reading books. I was very fascinated with sexuality. One day, I was in the boys' locker room taking a shower, and it was at a swimming pool. And this one boy came in, and I noticed his penis was quite different. And I was fascinated. You know, I didn't really want to stare at him, but it was very amazing to me. I mean, most boys that I grew up with, they were all circumcised as I had been. At that point, I didn't even know about circumcision or about the foreskin because I was so curious and really wanted to know what was going on, I started looking into it, and I found some books. I even found one porn magazine that featured men that were uncut. And I noticed that this was something that had been done to me. It was not with my consent. It was a procedure done in secret. And they had kept the secret. Nobody ever told me that I'd been circumcised. And I started feeling this growing sense of violation of my most intimate body part, my penis. It had been mutilated and done so without my knowledge. And nobody even ever told me. And it just kind of, it explained a few things. I remember in my early childhood, I used to have this dream and I'd wake up from it with this kind of phantom pain in my penis and I'd wake up holding myself, cupping it with my hands and it was just this intense pain and as soon as I woke up, it, the pain was very phantom. It just kind of evaporated. As I learned more about circumcision and what had been done to my body, I started feeling a little bit dysphoric. I think there's some of that anyway. There's this sense of loss. I'd been violated, and things had been done to me and kept secret. It felt so weird and so kind of icky. So I started researching and I learned about foreskin restoration. And I started researching it, finding books, and they were kind of hard to find back when I went through my restoration. But I finally came across a book called De-Circumcision. It's by Gary M. Griffin. And it was a very good detailed book going through the history of circumcision and some of the different ways that men can restore the foreskin. So I researched it for about six to eight months. It wasn't just that book, but I read books that were a little bit more um, medical-oriented and a little harder to decipher because I used a lot of terms that were medical terms that I had to really look up and kind of get a deeper understanding. There wasn't really any medical research done on foreskin restoration. This was a process that seemed to be a very underground movement by a lot of men. I think it kind of originated in the 70s when people wanted to have more natural control of their own bodies. 
One of the things I did read about foreskin restoration, especially the non-surgical type, is that it does take patience. It takes dedication and commitment to the process. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the process of foreskin restoration. It does take time. It took me about a year and a half. But fortunately, the first results I experienced was within a couple of weeks. And the first results included increased sensitivity and a limited growth of the foreskin. And when I say that I noticed several changes that first couple of weeks, one of those included shedding layers of skin off the tip of my penis. It became thinner. The nerve endings came up closer to the surface. And I think that's what helped increase the sensitivity. I shed all this callous dry skin and the tip of the pen- my penis became much more moist and stayed that way because I was keeping it covered. About nine months into the procedures, I finally achieved pretty much full coverage of the penis. It took until about 18 months before the coverage extended beyond the gland by about a half an inch. For some men, they like to extend it even further than that, but I was quite happy with the half inch protruding beyond the gland. Basically, the way you do foreskin restoration non-surgically is you pull the shaft skin over the head of the penis and then tape it off with medical tape. And you wear it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The only time I would take it off was during sex or when I showered. I even peed through the opening because I just taped around the circumference of the skin and could pee right through. One of the practices uh, that they recommended in many books was to meditate and visualize what you wanted to accomplish through this practice of taping it off. And so I did daily meditations and visualizations. I even got some pictures of men with intact foreskins and looked at them as I meditated and pictured myself having a restored foreskin. Once I completed the procedure, I was able to stretch all the way past the head, about half an inch. But the one drawback was that I couldn't reduce the circumference, and so it would easily slip back, exposing the head of my penis, unless I wore tape. Well, there's two recommended procedures you could do. One was to get a piercing done that would, on either side of the foreskin at the tip, do a piercing that would reduce the circumference and wear the piercing. Or I could elect to go in for surgery and have a little bit snipped out so that it would reduce the circumference at the end. I elected to do the piercing. 
The only other method they recommended was you could stretch it extra long, reach a full inch, inch and a half beyond the head of the penis, but I knew that would take a very long commitment of stretching and utilizing other stretching methods that I really wasn't ready to go into at that point. But that is uh, one option for the men that don't want to get a piercing or go through any type of surgery. There were some cons doing the foreskin restoration. The first few weeks, there was a little bit of discomfort, especially from nocturnal erections, while the skin was taped off. Often I'd wake up at night and I'd feel the pressure against the tape and it would hurt a little bit. Sometimes it would be so uncomfortable I couldn't get back to sleep. So for the first couple of weeks, I'd just remove the tape, go back to sleep, and then tape it back up first thing in the morning. The other problematic part of foreskin restoration by this method is that when you pee, it no longer comes out in a nice stream. Instead, it kind of sprays out. And so I had to pee sitting down. It wasn't that big a problem, but especially at work, I had to be a little careful because it sounded different and I didn't want to raise any weird questions about why I was peeing and why it sounded different. (laughs) And that was probably more my own paranoia than anything else. But I just elected to, at work, not wear it for about eight months. Especially when I was in a job that, you know, I didn't want anything to kind of stand out. And so I think that's why it took me a year and a half instead of about nine to 12 months. For some men, they achieve full results within 9 to 12 months. But we're all built a little differently. But basically, I'd like to also state that when you do tape off the skin, I found it was helpful to put a little bit of padding on the edge of the tape that was against my skin. That way I didn't have a sharp edge with pressure from erections pressing against my skin against the tape. And I did notice that it would get a little sore if I didn't have the padding. So I took a little bit of cotton material and cut little strips and put just a little edge and folded it up over the tape and then wrapped the tape around the skin and to reduce the circumference so the head of the penis couldn't pop out. There are many benefits that I discovered from restoring my foreskin. I think first and foremost, all of a sudden I had a beautiful intact penis. It was amazing what a transformation had occurred. In fact, many people that, and I go to pagan events and I go to other events where we do run around naked and it was so liberating to be able to run around naked with an intact penis 
And what was amazing was that for those that didn't know me well, had just met me, they didn't realize that I'd ever been circumcised. They just figured I was fully intact. Another benefit I discovered was the return of a moist membrane on the gland of the penis. And, you know, if you think about it, the tip of the penis is a gland. And there are parts of the body that should be kept moist. I mean, just think about it. If you dried out your inner mouth and your tongue, it wouldn't function as well. I mean, have you ever woken up having breathing through your mouth and realized your tongue feels weird? I have, and it's quite different. And that's one of the things I noticed after restoring my foreskin was that that my gland was, it felt better being a moist membrane again. The other benefit I discovered real quickly was the gland of my penis was no longer rubbing against my clothing as I walked around and did my daily activities. And it kept it much more protected. And almost immediately within the first few weeks of keeping it covered, I noticed a return of sensitivity to the gland of my penis. Sex felt so much better. I could feel things through a condom, whereas before I started restoring my foreskin, I couldn't feel hardly anything through a condom. I mean, sex was good, but it just wasn't the same as afterwards. There are also some esoteric benefits I discovered. And I'd like to tell a little story about going to pagan events, going camping at pagan festivals. Sometimes we'd sit around the fire, campfire, late at night, and we'd sit and talk and talk about some of our heritage, talk about some of the more primitive pagan stories that have been passed down through the ages. And I remember one night, the subject came up of the feminine mysteries. And we got into this deep discussion about the feminine mysteries of women and how magical and mysterious and beautiful it all was. And it got to me, me to thinking, why aren't there masculine mysteries? Why do we not discuss that, too? And I raised the question. And that night, nobody had an answer. I think that what happens in a culture where circumcision becomes routine is that we lose part of the, the mystery of the phallus. All of a sudden, all is laid bare. That's just the physical, but I think there's a psychological component too. When the tip of the the gland of the penis is exposed, not only when we're naked, but also exposed to being rubbed on when we're walking, abraded. It's not hard abrasions, but it builds up extra skin tissue to protect it. And so somehow we kind of lose part of the qualities, or at least that's my thought. 
And then there's the spiritual side to it too for me. I felt that after I restored my foreskin, there was a part of myself now that I would reveal to my lovers when and where I wanted to reveal it. It was part of my masculine mystery. And yes, it's not just revealing it visually, but revealing it during sex and during intercourse. Another part of the esoteric benefit for me was it just felt more natural. I felt like I'd reached a part of what I was born to be, not something that I was changed to be artificially. And so it just felt more natural, and it felt more real. I felt like my penis had become a more natural part of my body. It didn't feel defiled. It didn't feel changed. It was what it was supposed to be and meant to be. I think the main esoteric benefit of restoring my foreskin was that it was an act of reclaiming and self-empowerment. I noticed that I had an increased pride and confidence in my body with the feeling of being more sexy, mysterious, and beautiful when I'm naked and even when I'm in clothes. It was a beautiful experience for me to take pride in my body and in my abilities to restore a part of me, complete a body modification, and it did take time. It took a lot of commitment to wearing the tape for a year and a half. It took being very dedicated to it. I can tell you there were times when I really got tired of taping up and having to remove it for showers and for when I wanted to have sex, then having to tape it back up again. And it was a very lengthy process. Yeah, it's not hard to do for a couple of weeks or even maybe a couple of months, but after a while it gets kind of old. And it becomes kind of one of those extra routines that really takes time and dedication to accomplish. But once I'd completed it, I felt a new sense of pride in being able to reclaim a part of myself and be able to modify my body in the ways that I wanted my body to be. So I was very empowered. And I felt this amazing sense of accomplishment. I think another part of the benefits for me was that many of my lovers really took a deeper interest in my penis because it was not just all out there all at once. There's something that could be revealed as excitement built. And I notice there's a little difference, very, very subliminal almost. But I could tell a change 
had occurred with my lovers. As I started to get aroused and the head slowly peeked out, there would be that kind of look in my lover's eye, seeing something being revealed, and it would raise the passion and excitement in both of us. So it's a beautiful experience for me to be able to accomplish something that years before I did not even know was possible, and I'd achieved it. And you can too, if you're a male that wishes to restore your foreskin. I know it's a difficult, long journey. It takes taping off daily and keeping at it. It takes a commitment to it. It takes changing some of your habits. And then, of course, you have to wash it very thoroughly on a more regular basis because when you're taped off and shedding all that extra skin, dry skin that's no longer needed on the gland, it can raise the risk of becoming an atmosphere for biological growth of some of the things you don't want growing down there. So it does take more frequent washing. I used to wash during the process several times a day just to make sure that I wasn't creating an environment for bacterial growth. When you, If you decide you want to restore your foreskin, make sure you remove the tape at least twice a day. I used to do it first thing in the morning and then first later in the evening before I went to bed. I would remove the tape, give it a full, thorough, soapy, washy clean, and then put the tape back on. Because the one thing you don't want is to create a bacterial infection. I would also wash before having sex with a partner. I would remove the tape and wash, and then we would get into the romantic mood. But it did take that dedication for a year and a half of preparing and taking care of my body. I think the journey was well worth it. I feel more sexy and mysterious. And I have a beautiful, intact penis that I brought back with my own efforts and my own dedication. I don't know if there's an interest, but if there is, leave a comment. If you want to have more specific instructions, I can create a foreskin restoration video training. In the training, I would give more visual aids on how to carry out this procedure and give some specific instructions. But I will only design that if there's enough interest. I have had many experiences, and part of why I did this show tonight 
was that I've had a few people ask me about foreskin restoration. And several people in some of the circles I've run in know that I did it, and word's kind of gotten out out there. And so people have come up and said, well, Gigi, how, do you how did you restore your foreskin? And one-on-one, -on -one, I've shown quite a few people, and several of them have worked on it, have started working on restoring their foreskins. For many men, having a circumcised penis is no big deal. It's kind of natural, and it's always been that way. Why change things? But for many men, there is this kind of sense of loss and this sense of dysphoria that there's a violation. And for those men, there is a way to correct that and to turn it around and to perform an act of reclaiming and self-empowerment. And for me, that act was foreskin restoration. On another topic, I've had a re an epiphany recently. I took a look at what I want to accomplish with adult bedtime stories, my company, Raven's Lair, and my vision of creating a sex-positive world. I realized that I need to make sex-positive training videos available to more people if I want to truly impact the world and really create momentum in a sex-positive movement. So, soon I will be launching a new price discount on all the training videos that I have at Ravenslayer tra Video Training Products. I plan to reduce the price of all training programs to $10 or less to provide the sex education you did not get in high school, but should have. I plan to launch the new prices by the end of this month, by the end of April, and I will announce the launch on Ravenslayer website. So with that, I bid you good night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions and dream of being a beautiful, sexy creature that's empowered and lives a more sex-positive lifestyle. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. 
we would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.